Welcome to the Clean Living Podcast by Kin. I'm your host, Sophie, and today I'm joined by Lily Simpson, the founder of Detox Kitchen. In this episode, we discover what it's like to start your own cafe or restaurant, how to shake up your diet for the better, and what it's like to pivot as a food brand during the pandemic. Hi, Lily. Thanks so much for joining me today. And how are you? I'm great, thank you. I can't complain. It was a lovely sunny day yesterday. It's not a sunny today, but um, I'm just about to cycle to my kitchen. Um, so yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I love that. I'm just about to cycle to my kitchen. I'm imagining this like massive house and you're just pedaling through it. Yeah, my, my, my commercial kitchen, I should say. <laughs> For those who are listening and they haven't yet been lucky enough to encounter the Detox Kitchen, can you explain the concept a little bit for everyone? Sure. So we are, I guess we've got two sides of the business. I started as direct consumer almost 10 years ago now, and we did meal plans. So breakfast, lunch and dinner delivered to your door. That has evolved quite a lot over the last few years um, and certainly during lockdown. And then we also have two central London cafes and we also retail in a few select places, including Planet Organic and Selfridges. Um, And we also have written two cookbooks. So I guess we're a healthy eating lifestyle brand to some extent. I don't like to use the word lifestyle brand because really we're a food brand and, you know, that's where our focus is and that's kind of what we're passionate about. But at the same time, I guess lifestyle is incorporating healthy food into your lifestyle is what we're trying to do and yeah I guess our kind of overall mission is just to get more people eating and enjoying healthy food and kind of break down those ideas that healthy food has to be a challenge or something that's not enjoyable something that doesn't bring you joy um, because I don't believe that I believe it can bring you a huge amount of joy um, and so many other benefits no definitely I mean I must admit I absolutely love going to the detox kitchen whenever I'm in London it's like the first place that I go to the salmon there is I think that's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> I just always go in it's the exact same thing that I order without fail and <laughs> actually quite unadventurous but I love it oh, that's good yeah <laughs> cool. and then um, so yeah, I think you really and truly probably covered it, but what really inspired you to sort of, um, you mentioned that you started with sort of direct to consumer, but what inspired you to say, um, open a cafe for people to actually come and experience it uh, without having to have it just delivered? Yeah, so I guess the cafe for me was, um, it wasn't something that I'd ever wanted to do. I certainly hadn't created a business plan from day one and said within that business plan in a few years time, I'd like to open a cafe. It kind of Um, I guess it was quite serendipitous in a way because I walked past a shop in Soho. I had started Detox Kitchen um, and we had just opened. We'd actually been approached by Harvey Nichols, which was completely bizarre in many ways. But they asked us to do a little cafe kind of deli on their fifth floor, which we did and was a really huge success. But it was tiny and, and I... That started kind of stirring the idea of perhaps opening a physical store. Um, and then I walked past this kind of old shirt shop in Soho. It was one of the back streets of Soho, Kingley Street, which at that point wasn't really a food destination at all. It was more, um, I guess, like a cut through road that had quite strange, a mix of retail um anyway I called the landlord and was like you know I'm thinking of um starting a little cafe and I seen this site and it looks like it's closing down and you know would you consider letting me you know give it a go and they said well actually we're we're going to transform that street into a food hub and we're transforming Kingley Court into a food hub and you know would love for you to be one of the first people to go in there and really kind of get it moving and and so it just everything just kind of slotted into place quite amazingly um and yeah it kind of just went from there I think I I love 
the I love having both parts of the business. I think having a physical store, really engaging with your customers. You know, I love to sit at the deli and see who the customers are. And, you know, sometimes I'll work behind and serve people and just kind of get to know, you know, there's such an eclectic mix of people in, in Soho and people are coming to our shops for so many different reasons. And I, yeah, I just, I love kind of having that engagement with our customers. And then our, with our online and direct to consumer, the great thing about that is that we can reach so many people. You know, it's not just about whether you happen to be in Soho, whether you work in Soho, you know, we can get, we're now nationwide. So we deliver to all over the UK. You know, we can, ha- you can have healthy meals on your doorstep from Detox Kitchen in Scotland um, within 24 hours of it being made. So there are elements to both of it, which I really love. And I think it works really well together. I think that's so exciting because like, I know that living just on the outskirts of London, I mean, we had a, a London sort of postcode and we were in zone six, which apparently counts, <laughs> but um, just no one was out there. And, and it was so annoying watching all these like cool things happen in London and not being able to get a hold of it. So it's so fun that you can now actually get like something that's detox kitchen actually delivered to the door, which, I know I will definitely the second I can get on a plane and, and back to this house. I'm just like I sent her the the menu, so I was like, okay, you need to order all of these things for me. Oh. <laughs> no, it was um, it's always been I guess my ambition to take it nationwide and then hopefully take it kind of international. Um, but I think with meal plans, the the kind of concept and product didn't really lend itself that well to going nationwide. Um, you know, it's it's quite a sort of premium price point. Um, and so I wanted lockdown really kind of forced us to create a product that was more affordable. You know, demand for healthy food really increased, obviously, during lockdown. And I think will continue to increase. So I wanted to create a product that would, you know, be accessible to everyone and could go nationwide and could scale. Um, and so we did that this year with our fridge fills, um, which is six meals delivered to your door. And the response has just been amazing. And it's such a nice feeling to kind of, you know, I think one thing in my head is I always I just want to democratize healthy food like it's such a strange phrase in a way to have have to say that it's like you know healthy food should be accessible to everyone you know no matter where you live or how much money you earn you should be able to have access to food that's going to make you feel good Um, and I guess that's kind of what leads us every day to kind of try and break down the barriers of you know why why is it that some people don't have access to healthy food or you know, don't have the knowledge and kind of understanding of what healthy food can can bring to them mentally, physically. Um, so yeah, that's going nationwide is one step towards that. Um, I think there are a lot more steps that we need to take, but we're getting there. I think that's really exciting. And I, it's so true, like you say, so many people just, you just don't have access to good healthy food. Or if you live in an area where really you're just serviced by say just one supermarket and you have to drive miles to even get to it, and then you get there and there's just no no real choice and and as you say people just don't have that choice it's so good to be able to actually create a product and and a brand or company that can help people to just realize that healthy food is actually a lot of fun as well because I think a lot of people they, they see healthy food and they see all the pictures on Instagram of healthy food and they think it's just so difficult to make or too much time and effort and and yes like some things do take a lot of time but a lot of healthy food is actually just just as easy and quick to throw together. But as you say, people just don't have, in some cases, even the knowledge, sadly, which is just crazy, really, yeah. day and age. But, yeah, I think there's a really fine line between really delicious tasting healthy food and not. Yeah. You know, and if you don't have that knowledge, you know, what you can do with a broccoli or a cauliflower, I know it sounds a bit kind of 
don't know I don't know the word but um you know you could you can just boil broccoli until it's you know slimy and horrible and eat it and think that that's all that broccoli is and then you're put off and you you know that's healthy food to you and you just don't want to have that but you know if you drizzle it in olive oil and put loads of sesame seeds and chilies and you roast it in the oven until these ends are nice and crisp and almost blackened you know it's just the most delicious thing in the world um and the same with like a cauliflower you know there's so much you can do with it you can turn a cauliflower into a pizza I mean you know if if that's possible then then anything is possible so I think it's definitely about knowledge about confidence about experimenting with flavors you know I always say to people who is kind of it's like their first step into really exploring vegetables and and how we can kind of bring them to life is you know take a cauliflower or take a sweet potato and treat it like you would a piece of meat you know, super simple, cover it in olive oil, you know, sprinkle some steak seasoning over it, put some crushed garlic on it, whatever you might do to that piece of meat, do it, do the same to a vegetable, then roast it in the oven. And, you know, it, it just starts bringing it to life instead of thinking about just having kind of like boiled potatoes or boiled vegetables on the side of your dish or like taking the frozen veg out of the freezer and just putting them into boiling water. You know, I th- you need to kind of start taking those steps. And then, when you really make that connection of like enjoying healthy food, like craving it because it's so delicious, that's when the difference really starts happening. You know, you don't see it as some, like a chore to be eating healthy food. You see it as normal, as this is what I just want to eat because I, A, I love the taste of it and it brings me joy in that moment of eating, but also it makes me feel good afterwards. Um, so yeah, that's what we're always trying to like get across in what we do, um, with Utop's Kitchen, whether it be through the meals that we create or the content that we create so that people can go away and create their own recipes. Yeah. I, I love that, um, piece of advice about treating the vegetable as you would a piece of meat, because I think so many people, as you say, they just, like say they get a broccoli and it's just like, oh, okay. I, the only way to eat this is by boiling it. And you know, as you say, you can just boil it until it tastes of nothing. And then it's just awful <laughs> really and truly but I must admit like, I, I have a very strong love-hate relationship with sweet potatoes I just I love sweet potatoes with loads of kimchi but then my grandmother insists on serving me sweet potato mash and I just can't stand it oh no I, I, I don't like sweet potato mash at all it's not my thing I think with sweet potato you have to keep the firmness it's not because you can't compare normal mash because I quite like a normal mash yeah so- with the sweet mash because the texture is just completely different like sweet potatoes are quite fibrous they're quite grainy when you mash them like a normal potato isn't like that it's sort of fluffy and smooth um and so trying to do that I think is is not a good thing although I have to say a really good um a good recipe for sweet potato is using it either in soda bread I find it works really well in soda bread and it's really easy and straightforward or putting it using it as a gnocchi yeah it's really good and and it's things like that again that you know just using a sweet potato which is more fibrous more nutritious than a normal potato just swapping that out in something like a soda bread or gnocchi or you know just roasting it and putting whatever you want you know again it goes back to this if you're used to having a jacket potato with cheese and beans you know how can you kind of replicate that food in a slightly healthier way so is that a sweet potato that's roasted with maybe a bit of vegan feta on it and you know stuffed with some kind of lovely tomatoey cannellini beans or you know that kind of thing it's just trying to experiment and swap out things that you love um but things that are just slightly more nutritious yeah no definitely 
And um, you mentioned COVID and that, I mean, you know, COVID obviously has affected everyone, but you said that um, sort of interest in healthy food has really gone up and and also it it spurred you on to uh, make the detox kitchen available nationwide. And um, yeah, I think I just wanted to know, I think it's been quite exciting because from Kim's point of view, we, we also had so much interest in natural cleaning, which I was actually surprised by. I thought everyone would reach for the bleach. And um, I think it's really exciting that people have also taken an interest in healthy food because it was a pretty lethargic time for a lot of people and quite hard. So I think that's really exciting. And, um, yeah, I think with the c- cleaning, certainly, like people are spending more time in their homes. And uh, at the same time, people are also understanding that the chemicals that we put in, you know, that are in our cleaning products and that we're putting onto our, you know, our plates that we wash with onto our surfaces you know they're affecting us and I think those two hand in hand people don't want to be surrounded by chemicals Um, and I think it's really similar to food you know people are now sort of understanding that unfortunately our food train is becoming much more broken than it ever has been and we are consuming far more chemicals than well than, than we realize um, and I think as that knowledge grows and is shared, then less people are going to, you know, more people are going to want to know what's going into their food as they want to know what's going into their cleaning products, as they want to know what's going into their beauty products. You know, all of these things that are affecting us without us really knowing, um, you know, people now realise. So I think if you can eat healthier, if you can make sure you don't have any chemicals in, you know, in your home, then, you know, you're going to feel better. I think ultimately so yeah we've definitely seen in lockdown a really kind of positive shift towards people wanting to look after themselves more you know I think just on the surface of it if you look at COVID and the people that were most affected it was people that were suffering from health-related diseases so obesity diabetes you know they are things that are to some extent within our control through our diet Um, and I think what you know whether or not you're suffering with those those diseases I think it's the idea that we can control how we feel um, and we can control to some extent our vulnerability to disease to viruses um, if we look after ourselves more Um, and I think you know that's definitely going to be something that continues to grow and people care much more about Um, and, and as I said I think the key for kind of healthy eating brands is that they make it as delicious as possible and I think that kind of goes back to the original question of why I started Detox Kitchen was because I felt like the diet industry didn't care about that it didn't care about the joy that you should get out of eating food it just cared about calorie controlled food that it it served a purpose and the purpose was if you want to lose weight you need to eat food that's low in fat low in sugar low in taste you know all of these things and and I just didn't want to do that. I didn't believe in that. I believe that, you know, you can eat an abundance of food. You can eat a lot of food. Um, you just have to make sure that it's rich in nutrients um, and rich in flavour. No, definitely. And, and like you say, the diet industry, when you look at some of these diets and they, they label food by, they try and be like, okay, we're not going to label it by calories, but we're going to put this food in the red zone. It's like everyone knows that red meat is dangerous. So it's not really giving a, a positive affiliation to that food either. Um, and I think it's so good, as you say, just giving this positive message that food's actually really enjoyable and it doesn't have to be something to be scared of or counting or anything. It's just about learning which one to maybe enjoy more often than the other. And again, like you say, you don't have to cut out anything necessarily, just be a bit more sensible about it. And I think it's uh, 
Yeah, yeah, very interesting as well. As you say, people getting more interested in in about in their food and about the chemicals that we're putting because it's in our bodies because it's all interconnected. As you say, the beauty products we put on our skin, what we clean our homes with, and then what we eat. I mean, there's no point doing one and then sort of not bothering to follow through on the others at all. And uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's always what I find really nice about the detox kitchen, which um, I hope you don't mind me asking, but where do you source the food from? Because it, it tastes lovely and it really makes me think of um, some of my family in the south of France have farms and um, just organic, like vegetable farms. And, and the the food that you get really reminds me of of some of the vegetables that we just pull up from the, the kitchen garden for lunch. Um, it's really good. Yeah. We, you know, we really care about our sourcing and um, it's quite interesting because there's a lot, you know, lots of people want to eat locally, just eat yeah. from the UK. And we definitely agree with that. Obviously, the more local they are, the better. But there is there is also an argument for sourcing the best tomatoes from Spain or, you know, sourcing kind of ingredients from France that are probably better quality, that have less chemicals in the soil. Actually, a lot of France, actually a lot of Europe, um, you know, it's, it's more difficult to kind of get the organic um, uh, kind of seal of approval, I guess. It's yeah. there, the farming industry is, the standards are slightly higher anyway. Um, and so we tend to source around 20% of our um, fruit and veg from Europe and the rest we source from the UK. Um, and we tend to source as seasonally as we possibly can within reason. Um, and we work really closely with our supplier. You know, we've got one family run supplier um, and they just, you know, they will say, OK, I've got some cucumbers that are coming in from Kent. They're they're really great. And we can just react quickly and say, yeah, we want those um, over the ones that we were previously getting, maybe from France, for example. So it's about just kind of being really close to your supply chain and understanding it. Um and and caring about it, I guess. No, it's fantastic. And I think that's just absolutely wonderful to know that you, you know, you source as locally as possible. And and I, I get what you mean, because there are some ingredients, as you say, there's, you know, tomatoes from a certain place might be better and, and things like this, or at least better during the right season. Um, and yeah, you know, not everything is possible to source completely locally. I and mean, we had one person that asked us once if the coconut surfactant was made from coconuts in like grown in the UK it's like I'm not sure they are grown in the UK <laughs> but um yeah I, I think that's that's absolutely wonderful though and to, to work with the smallest family suppliers as well I mean let's um let's see how Brexit sadly will affect people but hopefully I think yeah. um sort of support for local will hopefully stay strong but we're used to our European food and it's quite nice <laughs> yeah yeah no and um yeah just just sort of um to any advice for people that might be looking to eat healthier or start a sort of healthier lifestyle or journey what what advice would you give them um I think the best thing you can do is really try and just get that connection with food and how it makes you feel I think you know a really good example is when we have an addiction to sugar you know, and and I definitely have addictions to sugar sometimes too. I go through these kind of stages um, where I just feel like I want to have a toffee crisp every day, um, and it's normal. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, there are lots of reasons why we crave those things. You know, it's not. It's kind of it. It goes back to, you know, craving sweet things. Um, you know, in 
you know, when we were hunter gatherers and we were looking for kind of high calorie foods um, that we could eat going into the winter. Um, and they were berries, you know, the most high calorie foods were berries, fruits, the sweet things. Um, and often the things that weren't sweet could be poisonous. So it's innate in us that we look for sweeter things. You know, breast milk is sweet. It's a comfort. It's all of these things. You know, it's not our fault that we are craving sweetness. It means a lot to us, uh, you know, whether it means comfort, whether it means joy, whether it means a treat. Um, and then to kind of add on the layers of kind of, you know, big corporate marketing that makes us want to buy it and makes us feel like we deserve it. Um, it's really hard to kind of go against those uh, cravings. So we're, you know, we're all in the same boat here, but I think sugar is not good for our health and the less of it we consume, the better. So I think if you feel like you're in a bit of a sugar up, the best thing you can do is um, try and cut it out for three days, just three days, try and retrain your taste buds not to crave that sugary kind of uh, taste. Um, you know, three days, maybe five days if you can. Um, and instead of eating sugar, try to then fill your plate with fr fruit, vegetables, like, you know, highly nutritious kind of grains, pulses. Um, because I feel like what if you're in that rut, what you really need is to notice a difference quickly. You know, I think there is a big argument for healthy eating and doing it slowly and taking steps. But I think there's always a place to just have that kind of short, sharp. Wow, I was really addicted to sugar. I really my taste buds were just really sweet. I just wanted loads of sweet stuff. And to just cut that completely um, and recognize the difference after a few days of a how your cravings are b what it actually then tastes like to eat sweet food because I guarantee you that if you're in that sugar rut you're just consuming sweet foods and you're not really taking on board the actual sweetness of them because your taste buds are kind of dulled to it almost whereas when you cut it out when you then go back to sugar it feels so much sweeter you know over time my taste buds for sure you know I used to love toffee crisps Kit Kats all the kind of like uber sweet chocolates and now I much prefer a dark chocolate don't get me wrong of course there's always a time and a place for something overly sweet um but it is about training your taste buds and about kind of moving from and and, and sugar is not just the one example you know processed foods highly salted foods is the same thing you know take your taste buds away from that give your taste buds fresh like less salted food for a few weeks and then taste that meal again. And I guarantee you it will taste different. You will taste the salt. It will feel more processed. You will, you'll, instead, you will start craving those fresher flavors. Um, you know, you will start craving the complexity of flavors that you get from fruit and vegetables that are well-seasoned, that are well-cooked, um, that have complex herbs, spices that are bringing them to life. Um, so I think kind of the first step is to just try and disconnect with the foods that maybe are less healthy. Um, there will be a time for them down the line. It's not about completely and utterly getting rid of them in your diet. Um, you know, nothing we do is about deprivation. So you should never feel like that. It's just about kind of reconnecting with food and reconnecting with how it should taste um, and how it should make you feel. Yeah. Um, I think another thing just to bear in mind with all of that is I think, you know, there is a balance and we talk about the 80-20 rule, which is really important. I mean, I live by the 80-20 rule. I don't really think about it now, but 
you know, I love a glass of wine. I love chocolate. I love chips <laughs> with loads of vinegar on them. You know, I, I have lots of these things which, you know, I just really enjoy and they bring me a lot of joy, but I know that they are not particularly healthy. So it's just my choice whether I want to have them or not. And I would say that generally 80% of the time I eat super healthy food and I love it and it's delicious. And then I have that 20% where I'm just like, I really want a chocolate. I really want a slice of cake. I really want some wine or whatever it might be. And I think allowing yourself to not necessarily categorize foods by good and bad, but just categorize foods by this is super nutritious. This is going to make me feel great. This is less nutritious, but I'm still going to really eat it. I'm really going to enjoy it. Um, and kind of take that approach, then it becomes a kind of healthier relationship with food in general. Yeah, I think the as you say, the 80-20 rules is such a good one to try and, and live by because like you say, it's not about categorizing the food to be scared of it or anything. It's just having also that, that knowledge in the back of your mind that it's okay. You can actually just go and have a piece of chocolate if you really want to. Just maybe don't eat it every single day in the entire family pack. And um, it's, it's one thing that I, I struggled with when I moved out to Switzerland is that, honestly, the, they don't sell chocolate and crisps and anything in small sizes here. Everything that you buy is in large quantities for some weird reason. But I don't know, actually, I think Europe in general does that. And um, I, I would go and buy a bar of chocolate. And rather than just like a small little one, it's like, oh, okay, this family pack is fine for me. It's fine. I'll just eat it all in one sitting. And I definitely yeah. addicted to to chocolate and and then it slowly transformed to cheese and, and from that point on it was just a down downward spiral but uh climbing climbing back up the other side well we, you know all of our cheese is my downfall as well actually i do love a good a good camisola oh so good <laughs> here in Switzerland, in the supermarkets they have like a cheese cave it's amazing and you just oh it's heaven yeah yeah, it's so good. <laughs> but it's bad in the winter because you, you, they're like, "Oh, let's go for fondue. Let's have raclette." Just like by the end of winter, you just want to burn the raclette set. You've just had so much potato and cheese. Yeah, that's something I'm missing. I can't wait to go skiing and just sit there and drink wine and eat cheese. <laughs> it's awesome, isn't it? So, yeah, my, my fiance doesn't ski sadly, and I keep, keep telling him it's like, but it's not about the skiing. It's about being up in the mountains and then drinking wine and eating cheese. At the après ski, it's like you don't have to ski; we can just go straight to the restaurant. <laughs> so, lastly, because um, I love your books, so I thought I would also mention that. What's your favorite recipe um, from your books that you think everybody must try? Oh gosh, um, a bit of a tough one because they're all really good. It's a tough one because I now have to remember them all. I think actually, I re- I made one recently. I don't know if it's my favorite recipe, but um, it's it's really simple it's pearl barley with peas and hazelnuts and it's one of those recipes that's just so amazingly simple but so nourishing and so comforting and so delicious it just I guess it's just one of those things it's like this is this is what healthy food is like it's you know you would taste that and not even think that it was healthy food you would just be like wow this is just so delicious um, I think pearl barley is quite a good substitute, although it has gluten in it. It is quite a good substitute for, you know, if you're eating a lot of white rice or if you're eating a lot of pasta um, because it's a whole grain. So it's, you know, more fibrous. It's better for you. It's got more nutrients in it. So um, that dish is delicious. I could live off that. Um, there are a few really good burger recipes in there. I love a good burger, love a good vegan burger with lots of pickles. Um 
So I definitely choose one of those. Our beetroot brownies are very popular. So I love a beetroot brownie. We've also got like a really good classic recipe, I think, for anyone that's looking to eat a little bit healthier is just to make a frittata. You know, I love frittatas because, you know, you've always got eggs. You've always got kind of leftover veg in your fridge. And if you've got, you know, a couple of onions, fry them up, add some vegetables, add some eggs, bake it in the oven, make it really crispy and delicious. And, you know, it, it just feels, you know, nourishing, but also really kind of joyful to eat. Um, so, yeah, I definitely recommend that. Oh, there's also a really good strawberry cheesecake. It's like a frozen strawberry cheesecake, which you sort of make this biscuity base and then you pour kind of yogurt and strawberries that have been blitzed up into it and then you freeze it. That's a really good one for the summer. My gosh, my mouth is literally watering. <laughs> And I'm actually thinking, I was like, I think I have some vegetables in the fridge. Maybe I'll go make a frittata for lunch. <laughs> no, they, they all sound so, so good. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Lily. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thanks. It was great to chat to you. Thank you. Nice way to spend the morning. I think so. <laughs> and uh, no, maybe we can um, do do another like um, podcast update at a later point. Or maybe it'll be nice to be able to do something live I can't wait to be able to see people again that would be so nice yeah I would love to do that definitely thank you so much for speaking with me today Lily it's been amazing to learn a bit more about the journey behind the detox kitchen and also how to enjoy our veggies better I love the super simple idea of just treating a cauliflower or sweet potato or any large sort of starchy veggie as one would treat meat It really does make it seem easier to make vegetarian meals this way. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. As always, I have linked to everything in the show notes. And if you would like to give The Detox Kitchen a follow on Instagram, head to at The Detox Kitchen. And if you want to follow Kin, you can find us over on at Kin underscore living. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me over at Clean Living Lux. But of course, as always, I've linked to everything in the show notes. Bye for now.